Hey, Willow family, I'm so excited to be back together with you again as we continue in this great series. Today we talk about Jesus, who is the greatest servant. Meet me in the book of John 13, chapter 13. Book of John, chapter 13, uh, begin reading at verse 1. Hear these words of our Heavenly Father. John 13, verse 1. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, then Lord Simon Peter replied, being extra, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Just wash everything. Jesus is like, chill, bro. Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Uh, Their whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said, not everyone is clean. When When he had finished washing their feet, He put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You will call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for your word. I pray that in these next few moments, you would um, tune our ear to your voice so that we might hear you ever so clearly. Turn our hearts toward you so that we might experience the fullness of all that you have for us. God, is to that end that I ask that you stand in my body, think through my mind, speak through my vocal cords, those things you would have us say, know, and do. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, you are my strength. You are my redeemer. Get glory in this place. In Jesus' name, every heart said amen. Amen. As we talk about Jesus, we say... He's a servant. And, and to be honest, uh, thousands of years later, as we've heard these stories, many of us, um, 
it, that's not a stretch. We think, of course, he is. But you need to understand culturally, as they would have been experiencing this moment with him, this was a shocking moment. There are several things that would have been totally unprecedented that I think we actually need to go back and remind ourselves of this ultimate vision of leadership and servanthood that Jesus puts on display. There are several things that just were un. Expected that just unexpected when it comes to Jesus and his servanthood. We see the first one number one, Jesus is, I mean, he's the Messiah, he's the one that has come to transform all things, and by now. They've gotten glimpses of that. They've seen his lordship. They've seen him do miracles. They've seen him just be downright unapologetically the man. It's kind of like Dave Dummett. He's just the man. Y'all know how Dave does be walking all cool. He's just the man. His arm is just just the man, right? (laughs) I'm sorry. I shouldn't laugh after I say that. No. Yo, it's like, yo, you're, you're this great leader. You're this guy that's performed miracles. The last thing we expect you to do is to derobe and to grab a towel and begin to wash my feet. That's just not what they saw leaders do. They saw leaders use their authority, use their authority over people. They saw, they saw leaders create spaces where they are to be served. But to see a leader of that magnitude grab a towel? Y'all, we live in a time where we are desperate for images of leaders who are towel-carrying leaders, who are servant leaders that are willing to serve and not be served. He lets a new prayer. It was so unprecedented. This posture was so unexpected. Peter was taken aback. Peter was like, you're not about to wash my feet. You, Jesus, and I'm Peter. You're not about to wash my feet. But Jesus says, listen, if you don't let me wash your feet, you won't be a part of me because a part of me is recognizing that leadership is servanthood. Leadership is serving. I think one of the things that I I, want to make as, as the first point coming out the gate here is that that was an unexpected posture. They didn't expect this posture of Jesus to be one of washing feet. (laughs) You know, it reminds me of this crazy call I got. I got a call, and in a couple of days, they said, Albert, we've got an opportunity to go and sit with the Pope, and you have been invited. It's only going to be about 20, 30 leaders uh, from from America that are going to come over, and you got to let me know within 24 hours, and we're leaving in a couple of days. I was like, whoa. So I grabbed my wife, we get plane tickets, and we are off to this 24-hour quick turnaround trip to go sit with the Pope. While preparing for the Pope, one of his friends, he's talking about, uh, this is Pope Francis, he's telling us about how he is and his character and his nature, and I'm telling you, as we sat with him, it was all true. He's one of the nicest people, one of the most hospitable. You would think he's like the man, just, you know. No, he was one of the most hospitable, most inviting. To prepare us to sit with him, they tell us a story. It's like old friends walking around telling stories. They, they tell us this story. Pope Francis, uh, spent, uh, coming from Argentina, he just had friends, and, and he had a friend, uh, Pastor uh, Giovanni, who was a Pentecostal pastor, um, in, in a small town outside of, uh, outside of Rome. 
and they were they were friends way before any of this Pope stuff happened. I mean, if you know his his Pope Francis story, he wasn't expected to be Pope at all. It, it, this was not something that he was prepared for. But God has a way of calling servants to fulfill his mission. Being friends with his Pentecostal pastor after Pope Francis moved from Argentina, moves to to Rome, he's there. He calls up his Pentecostal friend, his, his pastor Giovanni. He calls his friend that was this friend before. He was the bishop of Rome, you know. And his friend begins to talk about the tension that has existed in the cities between the Pentecostals and the Catholics. It was a Catholic town. And Pentecostals did had, it's like Samaria. The Pentecostals had no dealings with Catholics and Catholics had no dealings with Samaritans. And they had history of just tension in their relationship And Pope Francis talked to his friend, Pastor Giovanni, and he said, well, I'll just come to your church. Let me just come and and let me just spend time with your church so we can work on this divide. Yo, this was historic. The Pope had never, never gone to a Pentecostal church. Now, as a matter of fact, as the Pope made his, his desire known to other people, the Catholics there, his own administration said, uh, the Pope has never even been to that town, to the Catholic church. So he started getting pushed back to say, you can't go to this town. You hadn't even been and go to a Pentecostal church. You hadn't even been to your own Catholic church in this town. You've never been to this area before as, as the Pope has never gone. So he calls his, his friend, Pastor Giovanni. He says, listen, I'm, I'm going to go to the Catholic church. And then I'm going to do mass there. I'm going to come home. And the next day, I'm going to make a special trip back just to do a special service with you and your congregation. Would you just invite your congregation there? And I'm going to come back and just do a special trip just for you. So he does like the Pope trip with the car and he drives around and all the folks and he goes to the Catholic church. Then the next day, quietly, he comes back. And before he goes over to the church, he goes over to his friend, Pastor Giovanni's house. Now, Pastor Giovanni lives on the top floor of an apartment building. True story. The Pope comes, not a lot of pomp and circumstance. The the Pope comes, gets out of his car with with his entourage. There's a lady bringing her groceries up, and she sees the Pope going into her building. She drops her groceries, gets down, tries to kiss his ring. He ain't gonna let her kiss. He doesn't let people kiss his ring. He doesn't do none of that. Helps her with her groceries and does a blessing pronounces a blessing over her in the parking lot. Goes up to Pastor Giovanni's house. They sit around and they're telling us stories of his wife's cake and how good it is. And they're just fellowshipping. Then they load up and they go to the church. Well, the church is packed. This Pentecostal church, the Pope is about to walk into a Pentecostal church where there's been tension and frustration in their relationship for decades. The Pope is about to walk in. Just before they walk in, he grabs his friend, Pastor Giovanni. He says, come here. And they walk in arm in arm. And everyone's in awe. Then the Pope grabs the microphone. He repents of the tension and the frustration and the hostility over the years. And then he does the absolute unimaginable. No one saw this coming. He does the most unexpected thing. He calls his friend, Pastor Giovanni. He puts him up front. And he takes off his shoes. And Pope Francis bends down and washes his feet. 
newspapers wrote about it. The city was in awe. Who is this pope? Who is this? He comes in and he has, here it is, an unexpected posture. An unexpected posture of servanthood. What would it mean for you to surprise people with your ability to serve in a posture that's unexpected? What does it mean for you to be in an unexpected posture? I'm not saying walk around washing people's feet randomly. That could go bad. That can't not be. But are there ways for you to show up and have your leadership in your home, in your community, in your job marked not with you being served, but with you serving your neighbor? Unexpected posture. They were surprised by Jesus' posture as he was washing feet. The next thing is an unexpected person. An unexpected person. Jesus turns to Judas. Now, you need to understand, by this time in our passage, Jesus already knows that Judas is going to betray him. He knows that Judas is going to betray him with a kiss, no less, and turn him over to the enemies. Judas is the, is the betrayer. Now, listen, I'm an eight on the Enneagram. And if, you, if any of y'all know about the Enneagram, eights, we are angry. We are all about loyalty. We are all about not being betrayed. As a matter of fact, I was reading the thing on an eight. It says the goal of an eight, and it says to not be betrayed. Uh, that's the goal. So when I look at Judas, I'd be like, I don't know about this. Jesus, though, Jesus washes all the disciples' feet. And Judas was in the room where it happened. Judas was in the room where it happened. Y'all, I struggle here. I would have been like, I, I washed some feet, but I don't know about you, Judas. I, I, John, I love you. Come here, I wash your feet. Let me give you a pedicure. Uh, James, oh, I love you. Let me, let me get that little toe. Judas, sprinkle. I put a little sprinkle on you. Let me just keep going. That's the thing about servanthood that we can learn from Jesus. He's not only a leader that walks in a different posture, but he's a leader that serves unexpected people. We have a God that not only calls us to neighborly love, but he also calls us to enemy love. People that would stand in opposition of us people that would betray us, people that would actually cause us harm, Jesus says, love them, serve them. And he even modeled and he said, wash their feet. That's what he modeled. As a matter of fact, on the cross, he's being crucified and dying. He can't even die without dealing with his enemies and saying, forgive them for they know not what they do. Not only does he have an unexpected posture, but he serves unexpected people. Who are the people in your life that would be surprised by your compassion? Who are the people in your sphere of influence, in your office, in your family, in your neighborhood, in your community, some of you in your bedroom, who would be surprised by your compassion? Servanthood carries a posture. Servanthood is also marked with enemy love. He washes the feet and he serves one who would betray him. What does it mean for you to love those that are hard to love? 
I know we talk about love everybody, love your neighbor. It's, I'm telling you, it's real easy to love people that like me. If you like me, I love you. But if you don't like me, I ain't touching them toes. You want me to wash your feet? Holy Spirit, come now. <laughs> you know what the Holy Spirit says? I'm right here. I'm coming. Because that's the very thing you're called to do. You're not just called a neighborly love, but you're called an enemy love. Unexpected posture. And we also see unexpected people. Third and finally, Jesus is giving them the imagery. He says, look at what I just did. What I just did for you is modeled what our purpose is, what we're all about. And he gives them what I call an unexpected purpose. He, he calls them to an unexpected purpose. Your purpose is not to be grand. Your purpose is not to win. Your purpose is to serve. And this is the posture. These are the people. This is the model in which you are to serve. I'm reminded of a fight that goes down with some of his disciples. They're arguing over who's going to be the greatest. And they're arguing, over, well, I'm going to sit on the left side. No, you're going to sit on the right side. And they're arguing over who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And Jesus overhears this argument. And he says, you're talking about who's going to be the greatest? The greatest is not he that is receiving service. The greatest is he or she that actually serves. He messes with their whole concept because they're thinking, I'm going to get up. I got to get up. So I want to sit up in the seat. And Jesus says, no, the way up is down and the way down is up. He says, he says uh, if I had a 1970s funk witness, I would say, you got to get down before you can get up. Get down, get down, get down, get down, get down. You got to get down before you can get up. Come on, James Brown. Who knew he was prophetic? what Jesus is saying is you're trying to rise culturally but in the kingdom it's upside down man you got to get down and wash feet so that you might lift up the kingdom value of grace and compassion and servanthood you got to get down and be the last so that you can be the first the least that the world says are the least, when you get to heaven, I'm going to say, yeah, no, they were the most, and I'm going to want to know what it should do with the least of these. Did you do the most with the least? Even in his death, burial, and resurrection, he says, yeah, I'm going to reign as king, but before I've got to die on the cross, i got to get down before I can get up. I think in our culture, everybody wants to get up. Everybody wants to win. Everybody wants to go up and go high. You need to understand the kingdom of God is upside down. And maybe your way forward isn't up, but maybe it's down. Maybe you need to humble yourself and walk in a posture of servant. Maybe you need to intentionally love people that are harder to love. Enemy love is what he's calling you to. And maybe you need to redefine your purpose. Your purpose isn't to be the greatest of all. Your purpose is to be servant of all because it is in fact, the servant of all who will be the greatest of all. Maybe you need to redefine your purpose. Maybe you're not an engineer so you can just make money, but you're an engineer so you can serve a greater purpose. Maybe you're a teacher so that you can serve your community and not get a check. Well, come on, we know you ain't teaching to make money. So it's like, how do I repurpose my mindset and say every room I'm in, the question is not how can I win, but how can I serve every room I'm in? 
How can I serve, recognizing that if I'm serving, I'm winning. But if I'm winning and I ain't serving, then I'm missing the vision of the kingdom of God and his call on my life. Walk in an unexpected posture. A posture that keeps a towel in your hand, a bend in your knee, and a surrender in your heart to servanthood. Not only an unexpected posture, but a a willingness to serve unexpected people. The people that others pass by, the people that other people don't acknowledge, the the people that don't get a lot of attention, the people that are behind the scenes, the people that don't get credit. What would it mean for you to look for unexpected people to serve, both friend and foe? Why don't you surprise somebody with your compassion this week? And finally, an unexpected purpose, your purpose is to be great, actually to be the greatest. But how you get there is not up, but it's down. You got to get down before you can get up for his glory. Father, I thank you so much. I pray that we would learn from you who's the greatest servant of all. May you shape our posture this week. May we be towel-carrying Christians, ready to shift the posture to humility and servanthood. May we be known for loving, unexpecting people, people that may sometimes fall in the category of least, lost, or last enemies. May we learn to love them well. And third and finally, Father, may we have renewed eyes to see our purpose, an unexpected purpose, purpose that brings us down so that we can get up. May we have eyes to see the upside down kingdom. May we not look for victories in this world, but may we look for the victories that come from your kingdom. And those victories are marked with servanthood and sacrificial living. May that be our testimony. May it be our story. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.